0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard along with Jonathan Williams. It's going to be a good show. We took last week off; it was the bye week. Had some stuff going on as well, so figured it was a good time to take a a, a little bit of a break. But missed you, buddy. We're back, and now we I get to talk. You, you kind of missed me, this guy, kinda, this freaking guy. So. This is going to be a good one though. We get it is Florida Hate Week. We get to talk about the game that everyone anticipates every single season. Everyone gets super ready for it's it's a huge rival game even though Florida is not good this year and they've got a losing record. It is still a game that all Georgia fans get excited for, all Florida fans get excited for no matter who is winning and who is not.
1: Yeah, that's how you know a rivalry is special. When No matter the circumstances, no matter what's at stake, it, it's always special. There's just as much hatred. There's just as much disagreement. And there's just as much buildup to the game as well. I mean, heck, the, the two schools can't even agree about what, how many games have been played in the freaking series. You know, you ask Georgia, there's been 100. You ask Florida, there's been 99. So, um, I mean – that tells you what kind of the rivalry this is. You can't agree about anything. You couldn't. There couldn't be two polar opposites. They couldn't be more opposite from each other. You got the ugly blue and green, and you got the red and black. You know, it's just all of it coming together just creates this ginormous rivalry. Then you got the world's largest outdoor cocktail party going on before the game. It's insane. It's a great environment, and so this week definitely, it's it's always
0: something special, and it always produces great content. We all, it's always a great thing to talk about. Absolutely. It's always a great thing to talk about. So we're going to get into that. We're going to hit on a couple other little things as well as we go along. And uh, you got to talk about, you know, obviously at this point in time, it looks like Georgia's not going to get that home night game. And so, or any night games really this season, it sounds like at this point, um, outside of you get those three thirty games that might finish up in the dark at that point, because they're later in the season. So we're going to kind of cover that a little bit as well. Then you get the classic city pick'ems and you get a, uh, you get a Georgia, Florida inspired, you know, king of the hill. So we got something there for you as well. So, uh, but let's get straight into it. When you look at this game and and you, you see Georgia where they're currently sitting and you see Florida who is struggling this year, what kind of mindset do you have going into this weekend? Like, and, and try to like, I know you as a fan, you know, you can look at it and say Georgia should be, you know, perfectly fine and stuff, but try to look at it from a perspective of like, you got like your head coach trying to, you know, keep your team's mindset correct, you know, in the right place. How, how do you approach this if you're on the team? I think the best way to approach this game is you have a loaded back half schedule. So,
1: again, this is – you like, it's okay to kind of look ahead without actually, like, just focusing on, like, okay, we got number three Tennessee at home next week, blah, blah, blah. Use this – if I was on the team or if I was a coach on the staff, I would use this game as a way to build up some momentum, build up some confidence – and really just get the ball rolling real fast going into this back half of the schedule. Cause that's what you're going to need. I mean, it's a loaded schedule. You got Mississippi State still on the schedule. You got Rank Kentucky still on the schedule. And as I said before, you still got Tennessee as well. So a lot of big games squeezed all into this last half of the schedule. And this is the biggest part of the season where you really got to make your run for the college ball playoff. And you gotta survive it. You have to. It's really crucial because if you do. It sets you up in a prime spot to be in the college playoff, regardless of what happens in December. So I think that's kind of how I would approach it if I was on the staff of take care of business against Florida. Obviously, I don't think you have to tell the players to focus on Florida. You dang sure don't have to tell Kirby Smart that he needs to stay focused on Florida. I mean, he's shown in the past he cannot stand this team. So, But I will say it, it'll be interesting to see the new dynamic of this rivalry with Kirby Smart and Billy Napier because – it was pretty evident that Kirby Smart did not like Dan Mullen
0: whatsoever. Like, could not stand the did guy. Anyone that wasn't like a Florida fan, exactly. like, and, and Florida fans only early on in their like, in his True. tenure there, because late on they started really disliking him as well. Like, obviously, then he got fired. So, but Dan Mullen was just a, a very unlikable guy. Yeah. Like, he had he didn't help his case very much. No, all. when you start showing up at press conferences. After your team got in a huge fight on there, and then you show up wearing a Darth Vader mask and like having fun, like I understand it was—I think it was Halloween or whatever it was at the time, whatever the situation. But
1: my point being is that you know Billy Napier came out this week and accredited Kirby Smart saying that he would not be the head coach at the University of Florida if it weren't for Kirby Smart going all the way back to 2011, I I believe it was. Billy Napier was fresh off of getting terminated over at Clemson for being the offensive coordinator, and now he's kind of in no man's land. And Kirby Smart was one of the people that advocated for him to be hired at Alabama as an analyst, and that kind of got him back up on his feet. He went out to Colorado or Colorado State, one of the two, ended up coming back to Alabama as well. So they spent some time together. Clearly, Kirby Smart has some respect for the guy. He, he was a, He's a believer in Billy Napier. So I'm kind of interested to see how the dynamic maybe changes a little bit in that instance between Kirby Smart has a lot more respect for Billy Napier right now than he did for Dan Malone of any of his years at Florida.
0: Yeah, I think it changes in the sense of you don't necessarily see him, you know, despise the other head coach, which is going to – it means the approach might be a little different in the sense of late in the game, maybe he doesn't try to like embarrass yeah. the other guy, right? Like you're not trying to to just demolish you're, – you're definitely going to still try to win and win by a large margin because it is Florida, but maybe maybe you don't go for I don't that know that he's going into halftime talking about I want to break these
1: people. That like I don't know that you're getting one of those halftime um, – Halftime speeches, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's still Kirby Smart. You I mean, know, it I, is still a big game, and it is still Florida. He can't stand high. Florida as a whole, yeah. so maybe he still yeah, does. Yeah, his hatred for I Florida does not change.
0: No. But, but the respect for the guy on the other sideline definitely And I think increases. that changes some things in the grand scheme of things. I think those. it definitely impacts some of the game in in a different way. Like, he, he will not try to, like, be a complete jerk, if that makes sense. Like, I'm trying to use choice words, but <laughs> <laughs> he, he won't, like – necessarily run off the field you know, saying what he said in past years where yeah. everybody's red lips and saw what he's saying yeah. about Florida and stuff like that. Kirby does not
1: hide it when he doesn't like you. I think what he did in South Carolina when Georgia got that first down and he's staring across the sideline saying, boom, first down.
0: Yeah, and first and down. There's some profanity inserted in there that we won't use but on the show. But at the same time, okay, so using, using that as an example, I, I don't know how much it changes some of it because he's doing that and Shane Beamer coached for him. I'm just saying. I mean, so no, no, no. I'm just saying in the sense of like the passion will still probably be that's there. That's true.
1: That's true. Because he, he clearly
0: – He obviously doesn't hate Shane Beamer. He hired Shane Beamer. Like Shane Beamer was on his staff for a year, mm-hmm. but only a year. But he was still on the Good staff point. for a year. Nonetheless. So – I, but my point of it is I think that maybe he's still going to have that passion and, and dislike for Florida on the sideline. But I think maybe there's I think that just a comes little bit more respect in general.
1: That's something special that comes with your head coach playing at your school. I mean, he he played at the University of Georgia, so he knows how big of a game this is. He knows how much he's supposed to hate the Florida Gators and how big of a game this is for the program every single week. So,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as far as like the players, I think they have to go into it with the mindset of going – you know like it, we they have to go into it with the we do want to break their backs we do want to be like the one the dominant team we need to go in with the confidence of it but we need to go in there with like the discipline to make sure we stay within our means and make sure we don't get cocky we don't have that like you don't say crap no don't you say don't say crap. anything you just point at the scoreboard yep, and there they're it just is. gonna
1: they're, they're gonna have a big opportunity to do that on Saturday i think the point spread right now is 22 and a half with georgia as the favor and I know, I think Man. Georgia fans have gotten so used to these massive point spreads, because it seems like every single week, no matter who you're playing, oh, it's minus twenty-five points Georgia's favor. Thirty-five points if you're playing someone like Vanderbilt or a Kent State. I mean, every single week Georgia's favored by this mass amount of points. But guys, this is this is different for it to be this wide for the Florida game. It would be if that number holds, it would be the largest point spread in series history for either team. Whether it's Good Florida boy. being favorite or Georgia, twenty-two and a half points—that's that's a lot of
0: points, daughter. That's a lot of points. We were talking about this before the game, and you go back and you've seen, like, obviously you've seen one team win by more than twenty-two points in in the history. Georgia's won by forty, Florida's won by forty at times. Like, some, there are games where they get out of hand late in that game too, and the late touchdowns are scored to really pad it, all that kind of stuff. But the spread itself, with the expectation of there being that big of a gap between the two teams. Is such an uncomfortable spot for me. Like, as a fan, I'm sitting here looking at it going, man, I don't I, I think that they could win by more than that. Sure, I really do. But at the same time, you're going, it is Florida. Man. It is a game that you always clinch up while you're watching I'll until tell you this. get it in hand, until you get that lead. I'm always so uncomfortable this, with
1: it. This is how I say you should view it Florida in the 1990s beat Georgia every single time but once. Georgia only beat Florida one time in the 90s. And they dominated them for the most part in the early 2000s as well. It really seemed like when Rick orchestrated that beautiful touchdown celebration where the whole team is flooding the end zone after no Sean Marino in the end zone, that kind of started to turn the tides a little bit back into Georgia's favor. But Florida absolutely dominated this rivalry for a good 15 years, for a long, long time. And so now Georgia is back in favor. They've absolutely destroyed Florida ever since Kirby Smart's first year as head coach at Georgia. I mean, 42-7. to seven. Then they beat him by, I believe, I believe 27 points next year, seven points the next year. Then last year, they absolutely de- demolished him again. So I'd say enjoy the freaking moment because it, this has been a series of streaks. Both teams, if you go back and look at the matchup history, you'll just see red, 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 blue, 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 blue red, red, like it switches back and forth. So Georgia's on their streak right now. So enjoy it. Embrace it. This is the golden era of Georgia football. Not, not many times you get to be favored over Florida, 22 and a half points. So freaking embrace it, rub it in their nose, and just bathe in all this glory that you're being praised about right now.
0: And especially when you get to hopefully walk back. Like you hey Dan, you're talking about that's a long it is a long ride back from Jacksonville. I've been down there, I've been down there after you know wins, and you get to drive back. That's a fun drive because you're excited, you're happy. I've had those drives where we have lost. And it is not such a fun drive back. And it is a quiet ride with the people in the car because everybody's kind of just disappointed Mm. and upset. But yeah, it's a long ride back to think about whatever happened, whatever the result was of that game. And uh, it means a lot to the fans. It means a lot to the players. It's a lot of fun down there. You know, if you're going it, go enjoy it. It it definitely is. I I wanted to go. I I was looking to go and it just didn't quite fall into my lap the way I usually do. Um, So I'm taking a year off this year, unfortunately, but if you're going, definitely you need to enjoy it. And also, I'm pretty sure the um, – and we'll get into some other stuff a little bit more later. But I think the contract with the Jacksonville, I think, is through 2023 with an option for 2024. So if like you're going it, with all the talks out there of like all the, the the stuff going on between the two schools of whether or not it should be there still or if they're going to do a home and home and stuff. If you're going, make sure you enjoy it this year, maybe next year because it could be changing after that potentially down the road but let's get back on to we've talked about like the the game itself let's look at some of the players in this game right you were talking about this earlier so I'm gonna let you actually kind of dive into it but you got Stetson Bennett playing against Florida for the third time mm-hmm. first game he got hurt he did hurt his shoulder you end up putting uh, Mathis in, and that's the actual game the only game that Georgia's lost to Florida under Kirby Smart. Aside from the first year, aside from the first year, that's that's yeah, the, that's the middle one in there after like the dominance that Georgia's had. So, what are you looking for from Stetson in this game to actually have a good game against Florida? Huh,
1: I think, I mean, it kind of goes in the same way about Kirby Smart being a former player and having a lot of hate for Florida. Stetson Bennett grew up a Georgia fan. His dream was to play at the University of Georgia, so he obviously grew up with a lot of hate for Florida as well. And he's played really well um, this season, regardless of what people want to say. I know he's had his highs and lows just like any player does throughout a season, but you know, you and I were talking about like the position he is in to potentially finish in regards to career totals and the, and the like a second time all time passing leader potentially in Georgia football history, things like that. He's on pace to put up great numbers this season. I think that third time around going against Florida, Georgia's getting the ball rolling now, and especially the way that um, Florida chooses to defend tight ends, too. They They don't cover them very well. They typically leave them just running butt naked wide open on the field, which when Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers are on the other sideline, that is not a plan for success if you're a defense. So I think Stetson has a big game on Saturday. I put him as one of my players to watch. So I think he bounces back in a big way, and I think he really wants to just Drive the nail into the coffin on his third game against Florida, probably his last season definitely in college football. Last season. So I think he's going to have a big day, and you're going to need pro- – I mean, it'd be nice to see him have just an absolute stellar day on the field, especially preparing for what you have later on in the schedule.
0: I think that's it's definitely going to be a good performance from him. I, I'm with you. I don't think Florida's defense is going to – they don't defend the pass extremely well in general. If you look back at their – you know, the yardage they give up and everything like that, which they give up a crap ton of yards regardless – but they do give up a lot of passing yards, um, and and they they struggle to cover, like you said, over the middle of the field with those t- those tight ends and those. Line- I, I don't trust their linebackers in coverage. I, I don't think that their linebackers are great in coverage, and so I do think that they're going to kind of get beat in that aspect of it. So I mean, <laughs> it's a defense that has the boogeyman on the other side. I'm, I'm on
1: the other side of the defense, this man is. Four hundred and twenty pounds? Is that what they said? Yeah. Something if you like guys that. haven't seen this, not not only is this just a massive human being. Like I don't know how they have pants for the guy. I mean, I mean, he is just huge, law, big, massive weight on the field. He's a space eater, is what he is. I mean, it's what they probably want. It's pro- it's probably their version of Jordan Davis. If there ever is another version of Jordan Davis, but Jordan Davis was
0: an athlete. This dude's just big.
1: Yeah, That's the difference. It's a, yeah, that's all. That's like, he's really just heavy. Like, I don't know that he's good at anything or like excels at anything, but he can hold a block and make a gap. There's a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, smaller. The dude's
0: just huge. So yeah, he threw that one kid like a Frisbee. That's because the dude is built like a house and like, shoot. Yeah. It, it, you know, but as far as his ability to do something, you got other overweight
1: than, Shaquille O'Neal on the other sideline, dude. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to be he, slow. He can be tossing some people. Congrats. He's going
0: to be slow. He's not going to sit there and chase down a quarterback. He's not going to sit there and chase or, or get the edge on a running back or something like that. I don't know like, why he's not.
1: any team that, like, if you hit if you hit for one of your plays like eight or ten yards, run the hurry up if he's out on the field. Make, make that joker jog all the way down the field every single time. I mean, that's do a game
0: plan. You make him – you get him tired. All he, he still can just lay down and, and then right. disrupt the middle part just because of that.
1: He, he's in a good spot. You know, he really <laughs> can't do anything wrong. Regardless, like, just he's his pure size, he, he could do something good. Like, trip someone up just laying on the ground, just – stand there and do nothing you're you're doing something right in some sense so you
0: do not want him landing on you that's pretty much
1: one of the few highlights of Florida's defense you know Brooks Austin talks about in his recent film review of them is that they're trying to adopt the same type of defense that Georgia is running right now and has been running for a long time under Kirby Smart they just don't have the personnel yet to be able to run it as successful as Georgia and it's why Georgia's is really the only team that you see running it as well as they do because it tells you how hard it is to play that type of defense. Because one miss assignment, everything's busted. Your whole defense is blown, and you're going to give up a big play. And it tells you how disciplined those guys are every single down. And to be it, mean, it's just it's crazy. So Florida's trying to kind of adopt that, and for good reason. Why not? You just won a national. Georgia just won a national championship, a large a large
0: part due to that defense. So hundred percent. Yeah, that defense is incredible. If you've got the right people running it, it is insane. And Georgia definitely does it very well. I think that's why, like, that's where you really need good linebackers, yeah, to that, run that defense. You really, bread it. and butter. Your linebacker, and then Georgia's had those linebackers for so long. And that's where, once again, I, I say that I think that Florida's linebackers are not as good in coverage, and they're not as good as running. We were those.
1: watching some of the film against Kentucky. Me and Stutter were before the show, and it was like
0: every single play we watched of them. One, One of the like, linebackers. The two man. linebackers
1: were just miscommunicating every single play. Look they out would, for
0: number two to blow coverage at some point or be yeah. you know following the wrong guy or doing something. Like, like, number two. Two, two watch guys that guy. would
1: be covering the same person. They would get in each other's way and trip each other up. So like the linebacker play is not really there. They do have Britton Cox, which I know he's kind of a laughing stock of George's fan base because of his tweets. He's he going to be more on the run. edge, though. like And so he's not going to be in the middle. He's good when linebacker. he wants to be good. Like, yeah. The
0: plays that he wants it to can be. be good,
1: he can be good. And he can be in a difference. Or you
0: know, kind of like what Zach is talking about not being able to run the quarterback down, you know. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's a little there's bit of that. Where there's plays just, like
1: that. He's like, "All right, whatever, get me out of here." Yeah. Someone else tackles Stetson Bennett.
0: You know. Yeah. Somebody else, just not me. I can't do it. He peels off, and I'm I'm toast. Yeah. So. But yeah, watch for number two on defense for Florida. I, I bet you you're going to look back at plays, and if you if they give us a good view of something and, and show what happened over the middle of the field, you're going to see that guy in the wrong spot at least once during that game. I promise. Watch Brock Bowers
1: and Darnell Washington and Florida's linebackers. That, that's going to be it's going to be a big aspect. It, it is, and I expect both of those guys to have big days. Darnell Washington has been huge for Georgia this season. He's putting up really good numbers. Brock Bowers is Brock Bowers. I mean, he may not be putting up the same numbers that he did last season, but, heck, it's kind of hard to replicate that after having such an incredible true freshman season to go and do that yet again your next season, especially when people know about you now. I mean, everybody knows who you are at that point, and people are going to be keying in on you more than ever in your second season. So, But still, I think those two guys are going to have big days. I think that's going to translate to Stetson having a big day. And we'll kind of shift over to the defense for Georgia. I don't know that Florida – Florida has a decent run game. They do have a pretty solid run game. That's kind of what they live and die by. Because they run by nearly 200 yards a game. I think it's like 193 a game. And let's be honest. A lot of that has to do with Anthony Anthony Richardson has not had success throwing the ball until he played Tennessee and threw for freaking 435 yards. It's but the like, only game he's had a good but game. Outside of that game, he's, his average passing yard total has been like 210 versus everybody else. And then he throws for over 400 against Tennessee. So – Oh, yeah, a large part of their running game being such a big focal point of their offense is because that's what Anthony Richardson does best, and then they also have some pretty solid running backs as well. And their offensive line is not too shabby, so he can get the job done there. But then again, what's what's one of Georgia's biggest strengths? Just the run defense. Yeah, stopping the run, yeah. stuffing the run. They're so, they're, they're so gap sound. Again, that's going so, back to the To give you backers. the number on
0: it, Georgia only allows 83 yards rushing per game. And Florida currently, I lied, it's not it's not 193. It's actually 213 rushing yards game for Florida. So they're they're running really, really well. Yes. Um, but Georgia is really, really good on the other side of that. You know, and you, you expect you need your defensive line and your linebackers to have a good game against this type of offense, because that is what is going to Lock you down. I I don't think Georgia's secondary is going to have a problem. Like you said with Anthony Richardson, when we've watched games, right? We watched the Kentucky game. We've watched like other games that he's played this year, and he really struggles if he he looks and then starts trying to run so fast that like it's not a way to beat you, except. All of a sudden, where he put up 400 yards. Yeah. That was the only game where he actually looked good throwing the ball downfield. And so Georgia's secondary, who has a good secondary, and yes, Dan Jackson They're is first, out, but they, you still got Starks to step up back there well, and play more and downs.
1: David Daniels, sisavon Sisavon? Yeah, something like I, that. I
0: forgot his hyphen. I'll just stick with David Daniel. but David yeah.
1: Daniels probably going to be filling in those shoes back there as well because Dan Jackson got plugged in a lot during the dime packages for Georgia. I think so. so, Yeah. You'll probably see uptick in snap count for David Daniel, who's a sophomore. He's he's gotten some limited playing time this year. I think he's appeared in three games and he's looked pretty decent. So now he's going to be plugged into that spot. But yeah, Georgia's first in the SEC in passing yards allowed. And I believe they are eighth in the nation in passing yards allowed. So regardless, they're really good at stopping the run, which is Florida's strength on offense. And then when you have to rely on Anthony Richardson to throw the ball, he's going to be going up against the best secondary in the SEC right now. Yeah,
0: they're only averaging 217 yards passing a game, yes. and that's you know that's not going to win you a game like this. No. When when you're going to you can't be one dimensional in this type of game. Georgia can't be one dimensional either. Georgia Georgia definitely has to be able to get the run game going and be able to throw the ball because you cannot let in this game. These two teams are really good at keying in on like the one thing that you can do. If you can only do one thing well, they're going to get you. And that's why I think Georgia has success in this game because Florida relies so heavily on that rushing game. I mean, Anthony Richardson has just under 400 yards rushing this season. That's what you're talking about, where he contributes so much in that aspect of the game. And I think that that's going to be something that really – Really ends up, but just watch the look at the final box score of this game, and I, I bet you that you're going to see a pretty, um, pretty big difference in what they usually do versus what they actually can do in this game.
1: And Anthony Richardson, almost every game, at least the ones that I've watched, I don't watch every single Florida game, but I watch the big ones when it's late at night. You know, it's the nights kind of settling in, and he always has a throw that's kind of like, did he even see that defender? I mean, just throws it like almost just says here. Yeah. Have the ball. Yes. The,
0: the WTF moment. Yeah. That real definitely. big.
1: Real big. It happened last year against Georgia when he threw the pick six to Nekobe Dean, and he, he just got eaten alive against Georgia last year. N- Nolan Smith forced two turnovers back-to-back, a fumble, an interception of his own, and then that was followed up by a Kobe Dean pick six. Guy just absolutely crumbled um, against Georgia last year. So the only thing for Georgia is that you're probably not going to see Jalen Carter this week either. He's that's been very limited in practice this week, which is not a good sign. He's not going to go unless he is 100% ready. I mean, that's just going to be the deal with him. And the deal with – I mean, I or AD might give it a go this week. You might see him a little bit just try and get in the mix, see how he feels. I don't know. i it's probably not going to see a whole lot
0: of him either. So, but – this is a game that you want to be careful putting those guys in, though, because once again, it's that right. It's a very physical football well, especially game,
1: especially with an MCL sprain. I believe it's a very physical football. Jalen game. Carter, you yeah. got to be really careful with that. Dealing with ligaments in your knee and stuff like that, you just gotta you gotta be real careful. With that especially with what's in his near future draft prospect wise. Oh, I mean, sure. we're talking about a top ten draft pick, probably. So, a lot at stake for him there. So, yeah, you're not going to play him unless you absolutely need to, and really. You haven't needed him because other guys behind him have really stepped up. Barry Alexander has been one of them. Warren Brinson has been another guy that's been flashing on the defensive line in the absence of Jalen Carter. So you've had, so had guys been out there a good bit. You've had guys stepping up, and which is what Georgia has done when guys have been injured last year. That was a major story for Georgia is that when when guys went down, they never missed a beat. You're seeing it again this year at Georgia is that all right? Jalen Carter went down. We'll put in true freshman Barry Alexander. Yeah. Boom. We're looking strong. We're still looking good. Nothing to worry about right now, but, but still, you'd like to have a Jalen Carter, of course, on the field because he's such a difference maker in every aspect of the game because he draws so much attention, just like many other defense tackles, to come through Georgia.
0: Yeah, you absolutely expect Georgia's defense to still play well, even without Jalen Carter. I do think that you know having him would make a huge difference in a game like this where you're talking about that run game for the opposing team being so prominent you could use your you know your starting defensive lineman you know who is a top 10 pick Absolutely. like you're talking about you could definitely use him and he would definitely impact the game but you how much is he going to impact the game if he's not 100% and if his knees hurting and the risk and potentially how much losing him for the rest of the season impact
1: to the games after that exactly you know? so yeah just kind of have like a little trickle effect of just a downward spiral for him so yeah i, I think we're, we're, the conclusion that we're reaching right now is george is going to win by a lot probably take the points is probably what I would lean towards right now. I just – I have a hard time seeing the Gators' offense having much success against Georgia just because of the style of defense that Georgia plays, what history has said with Anthony Richardson playing against Georgia, and just if they don't have the run game going, they can't do very much. That's a big reason why Florida kept it so close with Tennessee because they were just gashing them up the middle. I mean, they were getting chunks of yardage in the run game where I don't see that happening against
0: Georgia on Saturday. Georgia- They'll probably get a, a play or two, but they won't kill you all game. You know, they won't get you all game like that.
1: Dan, you're always negative Nancy, nervous Nancy, whatever you want to say in the comment section. Have some faith, brother. All right? We're here to tell you why you should be confident. We're giving you all the knowledge. So take it. And be confident.
0: That's what I'm saying right now. So, I, once again, I, I'm confident. I'm sitting here right now. But, like, when the game starts, when it's about kickoff and I'm sitting on my couch with a beer in my hand and I'm like, I'm clenched up waiting to see what's going to happen. And, like, as you see Georgia get going, then I can start to relax a little injury. bit more. No. Oh. Thought, that was, I, I, I was just I, trying I, to fit I, in. I, I thought, I, I thought, thought you did. So, no.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm saying it's, it's not going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a very close game. I think Florida might put up 10 points, maybe. That's what I would say right now. But, I, I just again, Georgia's defense being able to stop the run, that's what fuels Florida's offense. And if they can't get it going, then you're relying on the arm of Anthony Richardson. And he just he can't get it done with his arm. He has not proven his way.
0: I saw this today, too. This was funny. It's <laughs> unsweet. I think, tea that's, a I think I that. That. That's, that's a shirt. I think someone made I saw that. That's <laughs> a shirt. I saw that today, too. That was funny. Yeah. It's pretty funny right there. But so I think that's good on Florida for right now. I think it's going to be a good game for Georgia in general. I think this is a season that, like, well, also, you, you hope that Georgia's going to be ready to go in this game because you don't want, you know, to overlook to Tennessee because that's a huge game next week, you know, for Tennessee. You don't want this to become a trap game for Georgia where they're overlooking them. It's definitely a team to be cautious with, but. Let's talk about Georgia's schedule in general and then the home games and stuff like that. Speaking of next week, Georgia versus Tennessee, you get a three thirty game, and everyone kind of saw it coming. Okay. You were just hoping. Oh, you this, were so hoping that CBS would, would pick up that Alabama-LSU game. But LSU, if they not, hadn't lost, not, if LSU chance. had not lost to Florida State to start the season, you would have had a possibility.
1: Yeah, but even then, no.
0: But even then, with Tennessee beating Alabama, you knew you knew this was a I was CBS that game. guy
1: for the last two weeks. Every single time I had a friend in class or people talking about it in class about like, oh, I really hope Tennessee is in my game. I was the guy who was like, nope, CBS gets first dibs. It's number three versus number one. You really think they're going to pass that up? No, not a chance. There's no way that they're passing that up right now. I mean, the game was selling tickets on StubHub. There were tickets for $9,000, people. Nine grand. For a 50-yard line seat on the visitor side, not even on Georgia side. This was the visitor side. This it's, it's been ridiculous. This game is insane build up right now. There's no shot that CBS was passing that game up, and that's a, that's been really the big reason why Georgia has not gotten a home game or a home night game this year. And in fact, I'll go ahead and spew off the stat right now. If Georgia, if Georgia versus Georgia Tech is not a 7:30 primetime game or a night game in general for Georgia they would be the first reigning national champion to not have a primetime game at home the following year since 1998 when it happened to Michigan it's pretty i mean jeez it's pretty shocking that the number 1 team in the nation right now and the reigning national champion are in this type of situation right now and i get it like i said cbs whenever you can put the dogs on the tv you want to put you got to do it I mean, they bring in great tv ratings every single week and so yeah you're going to i believe that UGA versus Sanford game was the highest rating um, televised event on um, ESPN Plus oh, ESPN ever plus. in the history. So, it's just... ESPN you know. Plus. And also, I forgot to add this. If you're clinking on to Georgia and Georgia Tech being a night game, don't. I and mean, then the odds are very slim. It hasn't been a night game since 2010. So, and... Yeah. Considering where Georgia Tech is at right now, I don't know. that. But it, it is frustrating, the aspect of, you know, everybody wants to say like, oh, well, it's because Georgia's home schedule this year was horrible, blah, 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 blah. Um, Alabama had night games against Utah State this year. They, they, they get like three or four night games every single year. And I think what it mostly has to do with is that Kirby Smart prefers to play earlier in the day. He has admitted that. He said he said this week he likes playing at 3.30. And I believe he's also said, I don't mind the noon games either. So I think that kinda has a factor I, in
0: it. I hate noon games. I know. But I'm okay with I like I'm honestly I'm okay with a three thirty uh, game. Game day, I believe, is at Penn State, Ohio State. Probably. I, say. I would assume. I so. want to
1: say it's at that game, Morgan. I, I see you asking that in the comments. I think that's so. true. I, I believe it's there. True. But it, it'll definitely they haven't announced it yet, but I can guarantee you that it's there's, gonna be in Athens.
0: It, the only way that it's not in Athens is if Tennessee loses And this even
1: week. then I think it's still in Athens.
0: Probably. I, I think I, it's
1: still in Athens. Because what
0: there's no other there's no game that's gonna have that much weight on it still, even at that point. And uh, no, I but Tennessee, you expected it to be a three thirty. I mean, it'll still be dark by the time that game's over. You know, it's still it it gets dark at six something now. I made the comment as like you know the day, so that night, that Saturday
1: night when Georgia plays Tennessee, that's time change. I know if it was the next only it was a day earlier or like the next week or whatever, then you really would have a night game because it's going to be dark by like about like you said by (laughs) yeah five thirty six o'clock. Then you do, and it still might get dark enough to where you can do that against Tennessee. Yeah, it's so. But still, I I know fans want it. It's pitch black when the when the ball's kicked off. You got the lights on from the game. Everyone
0: wants that Notre Dame feel from 2019, where (laughs) the lights are out and all of like all that stuff going on before kickoff. It is a very fun environment. The good thing is for those that are you know annoyed about it this year. If correct me if I'm wrong, I believe next year starts the SEC and ESPN contract, Mm -hmm. or is it the year after? It's the year after. So 2023 is the last year of it. Uh, then
1: your games. Then the you week. won't
0: get those three thirty SEC so, or so three thirty CBS games anymore.
1: So then, when the SEC starts their contract with the ESPN, guess what? Every single primetime game, or guess what? Every single game of the week is going to be plugged into. 7.30 more than likely. All those games. at oh, that 8 o'clock ABC time slot or whatever They might is. start doing noon games as well. I don't know how they'll do that because, I mean, you got to think every other conference does the big noon kickoff. You know, Big Ten does a lot of noon kickoffs for their big games. They all, and then the Big 12 does it as well. ESPN might want to try and compete with that a little bit. And obviously you would be able to with the SEC. You're going to get that draw towards that game. So, but I think for the most part, your games of the week, when the ESPN contract starts up, they're going to be 7.30. And then when that happens – Georgia's probably going to be playing in a lot more night games at home for sure.
0: The only thing I worry about with the ESPN contract when you get into that is those ESPN Plus games and stuff like that because you're going to get, you are going to get more of those. You are. You're 100% going to yeah, get more. Georgia
1: having the highest ratings for it's that not a safer good game for is that. not a good
0: sign. No. That's not, not a, a good, good thing Because now they know,
1: okay, we can put Georgia over there, and people are still going to watch. A lot of people are going
0: to watch. And they're going to subscribe to ESPN Plus if they don't have you know, so whatever So, boycott
1: the next one, fellas. Like we're, We ain't watching. We'll kick on the radio, listen to <laughs> listen to Scott <laughs> Howard. Howard right? we're, not, we're not paying for the ESPN Plus or whatever. So, boycott the next one if, if you really want Georgia to be on um, live TV instead of ESPN
0: Plus. Well – and, and I like the night games and stuff like that. I really do. But at the same time, if you're just winning, that's what you want to do is just win. And it's still going to be a fun environment, right? Like, you, you're you still going to – 330 is not terrible. You still – the only thing I don't like is I, I don't like listening to the game on CBS and, like, listening to them call the game. Like, I honestly – like, I, I'm that stereotypical Georgia fan that does not like listening to Gary Danielson talk and all that kind of stuff. I, I got it. I know that – there's a lot of us out there, but I'm trying to be at that game regardless, so I won't necessarily have to listen to it. But you still get time to tailgate up front of it. Then you have a little bit of time after the game. This is the bonus to it: is after the game, you have time to get home and watch one of those night games and stuff like that. And and I the think three thirty is least. almost
1: a perfect spot for that aspect when you're thinking of it that way. So, and at the same time, too. It, if Georgia wins a national championship, this ain't gonna this ain't gonna be what you remember. You're not gonna be thinking about Georgia not getting a single night game this year. It, it won't even matter. So, like like Stoddard was saying, if you keep on winning, if that's what you're doing, if you're still winning every single week and you go on to win a national championship, it ain't gonna matter. Nobody's gonna care. Oh yeah. That that this statement sh- shut up, Gary, which <laughs> is being commented in the YouTube comments right now. If you're listening to us on audio only. That has been said many of times in my
0: household. Oh so man, I've said that one so many yeah. times. It's fun; you can't help it. And it's so funny that everyone says it. Like it's yeah. a universal, <laughs> it's, it's a nationwide statement that everybody uses.
1: I, I, I'm sorry that Gary Danielson had so much hatred towards him and has so much hatred towards him, but man, it it, it, it definitely gets brutal sometimes, especially when you get in those SEC um, or those CBS games against Alabama. Is raps, bro. I mean, you you're gonna be listening to an Alabama love fest for the next 65 minutes or whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure on that. But I think that's enough talking about CBS in general. Let's get into our pickems for the week. The classic city pickems. We both need a bounce back. We do need a bounce back. Last (laughs) we went weeks ago. we went zero for two, both of us. Last week was a rough one. You barely went over 2. It was a bad I, thing. I think You I'm, missed combined, I think, by like three points. A point points. and a
1: half, I think. Was it was. a point and a half? I think it was a point and a half. I know I one of
0: them was a half Ooh. a point. It was yeah. close. One you of them was a close. half and a point. I can't remember the games, but Yeah, one
1: of them I missed by a half a point. The other one I missed by a point. Yeah, it was close. It was a rough <laughs> one for me.
0: So, But I'll let you start with your first one. Oh, shoot. Well, I got to pull it up first. I can't
1: remember exactly. It's been, it's been a long week, man. All right, so the brain ain't fully there right now. Anyways... So the first one I got is Syracuse minus two and a half. And I can't remember who they play. I'm sorry, guys. I'm really – Notre Dame. They're two and a half favorites over Notre Dame right now. I think Syracuse is a really solid team this year. They gave Clemson a run for their money just last week. Only almost pulled off the upset against Clemson, but then they threw an interception on their final drive of the game, which helped them steal the deal. But Notre Dame has been kind of struggling this year in their first year under Marcus Freeman. So not, not not a very solid situation over there. Syracuse is six and one in the sixteenth ranked team in the nation. So I like Syracuse in that
0: one at minus two and a half. I think they would I, I like I like the orange, baby. Go orange. I'm gonna say that I just have zero confidence in Notre Dame this season as a whole, anyways. They've looked so bad against some really, really bad teams. And so I just I, I'm with you on that. I, I kind of like that pick as well. I saw and once you sent it to me, I started looking through the games. I was like, Yeah, I kind of like that game too, especially mm-hmm. with the other options that are out there. But a game that really stood out to me, because I, I don't know how this is the spread on it. I, I really don't understand. Um, but South Carolina minus four against Missouri. Minus four against Missouri? Yeah, South Carolina's rolling hot did right now, Did we just see too. what they just did last week?
1: Uh, to Texas
0: A&M. To Texas a and like I understand it's Texas A&M. Like, and they're not. Funny you say that, I though. Mean, considering. I, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but, but saying... Like four points against a South Carolina team. at South Carolina's at home, too. And this is a – I think it's, an, it's a four o'clock game. So it's a midday game, too. It's South Carolina fans are going to be ready to go. That stadium's going to be loud. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think Missouri at the
1: peak of South Carolina football for the first time in a while. I mean, they just cracked the
0: top the... 25 again. And I expect them to roll, and I expect them to win by more than South four Carolina's points. South Carolina's been known
1: as the at-least-you're-not-Vanderbilt team for, in the SEC East for a while now. And now so now mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. ranked – Ranked number 25 right now. But that's who Missouri
0: is, though, is like you're not yeah. Vanderbilt, you're Missouri. Yeah,
1: at least you're not Vanderbilt, all right? Congratulations. That's that's kind of where you're at. My next one, I was kind of the same boat as you were for this game. I got um Arkansas minus um three and a half versus Auburn. I I know Auburn has been has been looking better over the past couple of weeks, but I really I just really like Arkansas um, and Sam Pittman. I've said that before on the show. I, I just, I don't really know what's going on at Auburn. You know, you watch them play, and it's just kind of like they I, don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, they at they don't know their identity right now. I think I saw something this week, and I, this may be completely false, but I know I saw it on Twitter where someone said that Brian Harson is is not allowing players to redshirt unless they have a medical reason this season. They're, he's not allowing them to. So basically, if you ain't hurt, you playing, and. I just don't think it's a good situation down there. Their quarterback situation, another thing that they really have absolutely no clue what they're doing. The quarterbacks don't really have a single clue as to what they're doing either. So I
0: like the Razorbacks, and that one is minus three and a half. So this next one is it, it is a weird one for me because like last week, like what I just said a second mm-hmm. ago. You're and are I'm, I'm doing it. You're I'm going to go it. with it. I'm going to go with it, and I know, I know that I might get a comment or two on this one but i'm going to go with this next one as well because it's such a, a low spread. Ole Miss minus 2 against Texas A&M. Mm. Texas A&M just did I, you see they the sound had their issue from
1: today with Lane Kiffin?
0: Yes. Those, I did. Those are pretty funny. I did. I said Lane Kiffin is it definitely is not a fan of uh Texas A&M. Yeah. I've seen some stuff on there with that um cuz he was talking about Keeping the head that coach right, he was, the talking defensive about, coordinator. he was talking about keeping the defensive coordinator, but he said they got outbid by Texas A and M, which seems to be the the you know,
1: popular theme with that team. Yeah, with that program. Yeah. <laughs> so, wink, wink, nudge. Yeah, out. that
0: was a shot right there for sure. But you know what, we didn't get we didn't get Jimbo Fisher on a press conference afterwards. Yeah, no. So not yet, not yet, not I mean, yet. We have ha- ha- 10 a.m. tomorrow, emergency press yeah. conference coming. Let me clear. Let me clear out. the air of this. We did not outbid.
1: Honestly, if I was Jimbo <laughs> Fisher right now,
0: I'd be losing every game. I would be
1: losing as much as I can at this point. You know, the season's kind of washed, and there's a eighty-eight million dollar buyout or whatever the number is right now for my contract. So if I'm Jim o. Fisher, I'm just kind of kicking back the rest of the season. Like, all right, let's see, let's see what you about right now. All right, we got let's this big chunk, chunk of money. It'd be like the Ed Orgeron situation. If I'm Jimbo Fisher
0: and they brought me in the office. <laughs> he said, when, which door do you want me to leave out of? Yeah. Like, When do you want me to go?
1: When do you want me to leave and what door should I go out of? Because I'm gone. I, 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 hey, I'll go be ahead. out of here hey, in a heartbeat. You, you Ed, won't ever hear from me again.
0: Orgeron's interview that, where he's talking about that was so funny. It was <laughs> He was, like, it, he was like, like,
1: I won a national championship, formed one of the greatest teams in college football history, and now I'm about to get a big buyout from you as well for sucking. Oh, okay, yeah, that,
0: that sounds good to me. This right here is is a big reason that I'm on my pick this week right here <laughs> as well. The OC for Texas A&M, I think, it, I genuinely think that's a huge problem for them because the one year that James Coley was in Athens was 2019. The reason
1: it was only one year, and right?
0: it, that's the only coach, unless they've got promoted and left because of something really good. Georgia didn't just let an offensive coordinator go that quick, especially Kirby Smart has not done that one season. There were a lot of problems. It just—it was a terrible offense. Was brutal. It was so hard to watch as a Georgia fan, and he was gone after one season, just like that. And Texas A&M is really struggling with an offensive identity. They aren't looking good at all. I understand that Ole Miss had a really bad week last week against uh, LSU. It was a a terrible game for them. God awful. They got just boat raced, and that was a weird one for them. But I think that their offense is going to turn around and be able to score. And I do not think. Texas A and M is going to be able to score to even be in that game. And definitely not by two points.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So hopping on the lane train, huh? I'm on the lane train this week. The second time – this is the second time that Stoddard has hopped on the lane train. So, we might be looking at an Ole Miss Rebel closet fan right here.
0: Well, no. I said – remember when we did – when we said if Georgia wasn't a program anymore. I know. I know.
1: I said Ole Miss. I know. This is my second time picking Arkansas. That's a team I picked as well in that scenario. Sometimes we favor. It's only fitting. Some teams out there. recap, I got Syracuse minus two and a half over Notre Dame. And then I also have Arkansas minus three and a half over Auburn.
0: And I have South Carolina minus four versus Missouri – and then Old Miss minus two versus Texas A and M. Boom! Locked in. No more discussion. No more backseas. No it's more cutseas. Nothing. It's, it's over with. In. Stay. All cool, right. Man. So this is your segment, and we kind of came up with this one. Yeah. It fits. It fits the topic of the week. We're talking about Florida this week, so we got King of the Hill. And so, what better to do than to bring up something about Georgia and something Florida irrelevant. for well, something you know, relevant, something
1: news? We try
0: to do that, something right? Y'all have been talking about in the comment section already, and we're and gonna we kind of it. hinted at a little bit ago as well with the game location, right? So, when it comes to the Georgia Florida game, it's in Jacksonville, has been for a very just long want to take time. Take over
1: the segment here. <laughs> I was kicking ideas. it to
0: you. I was kicking it yeah, to you. You just, you just stole all my thunder. But I'm, I was going to let you talk first. I was going to let you talk first. You Listen, talk last first. episode, last episode, I let you open and close the episode. I can do King of the Hill this week, okay? Okay. All right? You? All right? Go. So, <laughs> this, I'm about to throw my pen at you in a second. That's
1: salt, brother.
0: <laughs> I'll turn the camera off first. <laughs> I'll make sure it's afterwards. Uh, if he if he comes home Morgan with some pin marks or something like that just ignore it you know it'll be okay don't worry about it but anyways the location in Jacksonville where do you stand on that argument of the game being played down in Jacksonville um I kind of have two different perspectives
1: uh, one as a student and a student who's never been in Jacksonville I'd like to for it to stay in Jacksonville, because I'd like to go down there once, at least once. I'd like to go experience that game. A stadium split 50-50 right down the middle, red and black, orange and blue. That is something I would like to experience. You know, going down St. Simon's, Jacksonville, whatever. Make it a whole weekend out of it. There's nothing really like it in it, in the sport of college football where that really gets to happen. So I would like, I would selfishly like to experience that just once in my life. But on the other hand, I think home and home would be so much fun. Especially, And that's also speaking from a student's perspective as well. You're talking about we get to pack in Sanford Stadium every other year. It's going to be packed out. It's The environment's going to be unreal. And Florida fans have to come into the state of Georgia for like the first time ever for a football game. And they have to endure what Sanford Stadium is. And then not only that, but this is the big talking point of it all. And really why Kirby Smart wants it to be moved. Recruiting visits. That'd be the biggest recruit um, weekend for recruiting visits every other year in Athens. And I know you like recruits can go down to Jacksonville. Now, like Georgia can buy recruits tickets to go to the game. This is the
0: first year they can do that. Even, even though that's a new
1: rule, but still that that's just them getting to go to the game. And it's not them experiencing a game day in Athens. It's not them getting to be around any of the guys on the team. They might get to go meet up with coach smart briefly after the game and say, Hey, Thanks for the tickets, and then they have to go on home. Like it's not like what it typically is when a recruit goes on a official visit to a weekend game in Athens, where they get they get the whole spread, and you know they get they, they are given everything that they want. They um
0: they get to experience it all of what it would be like to be on that football team. Whereas you can't get that at a neutral site. No, it definitely changes the atmosphere when. And but I'm my side of it is selfish side of being a fan. I have gone down to Jacksonville numerous times and I try to go most years. Um, It is such a fun environment to go down there because you start walking, the, the thing is, it's like it's more than just the game that's being played at 330 on CBS every single year. It's you get down there. And you tailgate, you walk around all this stuff that's going on out there. That's the experience outside of the actual game, too, that you get to to do. And like you, you'll walk past, you know, a whole section full of Florida fans and get yelled at while you walk by. But then you'll go back, you know, walk a little bit further, and you'll go through a section of Georgia fans, and you'll have them, you know, handing you food and all kinds of stuff and just having a good time, even though they don't know who you are. Um, when yeah, you can get that in Athens sometimes too. But there's just something about it down in Jacksonville that's a little bit more of that type of stuff that you experience as you're going. And to me personally, I love it being down there. It is a fun game to to do. Um, And if they make it a home and home, I'm not making the trip to Gainesville. (laughs) Like, I'm not. I don't want to do that. That sounds terrible.
1: I will will say it would be kind of cool to experience the swamp because, you know, you hear so much hype around it and how like how loud it gets in that place. So I would like, like I would like to go. I would to, probably go at least. I would once. like to go to LSU once. I would like to go experience LSU. Florida I definitely once. like all those yeah. stadiums that it's like, man, it gets so freaking loud. like. I would like to go experience those game day atmospheres and those different stadiums. And I think the best thing that they that they could do, and I think this might end up being what they do, is that maybe you do a home home neutral, like every third year, or like some
0: um, like some people say in the comments is every fifth yeah, year. I just saw it a second ago, and I lost the comments down at the very bottom. Yeah, right there. Here it like is like every, I, I kind of would like if you're going to do a home
1: and home, I, I would like this because I know that, you know, like the locals down in St. Simons and places like that, like this is a massive weekend for business for them. This is huge. I mean, it brings in students. It brings in people from all over the southeast for this game. So it's a huge weekend for business for them. It's huge for Jacksonville, all those types of things. So I don't know that I think it'd be horrible to kind of just strip that away from them. Entirely, So I would think it'd be kind of cool to do like, you know, you do a few years of home and home and then you rotate in a neutral site game every now and then as well. I think that would be a good compromise for the situation. Everybody's happy in that, um, in that scenario. And I think that might ultimately be what they end up
0: doing. I think that's probably what's going to, I do think that once this contract ends, as long as you still got Kirby Smart there, which you obviously will, he's a huge advocate for it, and he's basically going to get whatever he wants from like the athletic department at Georgia. And so if he goes in there and says it, so that means that then you're going to get Josh Brooks really advocating for whatever Kirby Smart wants in that as yeah, well. We, we know what he wants, yeah. and so you know what's going to probably happen on that. But on the bright side of it, that would mean every other year that that game in Athens is a good home game. So everyone talks about the home schedule. like This year everyone hated on the home schedule, which now Tennessee's turned out to be – the biggest game of the year in the SEC in general. And it's your home game this time. So you ended up with a really good home game. But every year, you know that's going to be a good home game. Like I said, even though this year Georgia's favored by 22 and a half points, you're still it's still going to be a fun game for Georgia fans down in Jacksonville and stuff like that. And Florida fans get excited for it as well. How many Florida fans we see make that drive up to Athens, we'll see. We'll see how well they travel. I know Georgia fans travel I very well. I think Georgia fans will go down to Gainesville as a whole. But I, think I don't know. People are willing to travel up to Athens just because it's Athens. You know,
1: Athens is a great place in general, regardless of college football. It, it, Athens is a great city to go and experience. I think people would like to come travel to that and get to experience that, especially on a game day. But I mean, we've covered everything. Possible in regards to this game for this weekend for Georgia, Florida. We've covered it all. We've done everything. We gave you our pickums. We talked about Georgia's upcoming schedule and night games, probably not looking too likely for Georgia in regards to a home game this year. And it's going to start really ramping up as the season continues with Tennessee coming in next week. And then you also got Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Georgia Tech remaining on the schedule. So content is only going to continue to fuel around here. We're going to be bringing it to you every single week, guys. So stick around. Like and subscribe if you have not already. That helps us with the algorithm. we got the Twitter handles that start. is about to pull up on the bottom of your screen right there. Boom. I mean, we're aligned with it and everything. So – Whichever one we're sitting under or above, that's the one, That's our Twitter handle. So go and follow those if you want to. We put some pretty good content over there as well. And we also provide updates on the show. Like last week, we didn't have a show. We put something out on Twitter to let you know, like, hey, don't be expecting us tonight because we ain't going to be around. So do all that stuff for us. Like, subscribe, follow on
0: Twitter. And Stoddard, you get to close out. As always, keep it classy in the classic city. And we will catch you guys next week.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime,
0: two words which express the sentiments of the entire
1: Bulldog nation.